Good evening and welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's weekly hour-long update on the latest developments in Arizona State University athletics, and in particular, spotlighting news from the realm of ASU football. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Arizona State Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball, and it's my pleasure to serve as your host tonight. We welcome all our fans joining us this evening. Just so you know, there are several different ways you can check out tonight's show. You can listen on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, or you can live stream through the Arizona Sports app. In addition, if you want to see the show, you can check out our Facebook live stream on the Sun Devil Athletics Facebook page. Sun Devil football will be the topic up for discussion here in the next hour, and we're delighted to have three special guests join us for this evening's show. First-year ASU offensive coordinator Zach Hill will drop by, as will the young man who will be at the controls of Coach Hill's offense this year, as sophomore Sun Devil quarterback Jaden Daniels will visit. And with us to start the show once again tonight, it's my pleasure to say hello to third-year Arizona State head football coach Herm Edwards. Good evening, Herm. How are you? I imagine pretty good because you got some pretty good news earlier today, didn't you? Yeah, I think if you're a Pac-12 fan, um, you're excited about the news uh, that broke a little earlier this afternoon. And um, haven't really seen the players. That, uh, it was we were done working out, so I'll see them tomorrow. And I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure they're excited as well. Now, uh, the news Herm's referring to was the announcement earlier this afternoon by the Pac-12 Conference University Presidents and Chancellors, better known as the Conference CEO Group. That group voted unanimously to start the Pac-12 football season this November. It'll be the first weekend in November, Friday, November 6th, and Saturday the 7th. Each team will play seven games with the season culminating on the weekend of December 18th and 19th. And uh, pretty exciting news indeed, Herm. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I, I think uh, when you think about where we were three months ago uh, and then all of a sudden some teams coming back and, and we were still in position of not able to do that. Uh, but now with the news, I think um, there's a lot of excitement all of a sudden, especially for coaches and players and, and fans as well. But, but you can imagine players uh, coming in building every day uh, working out and really not having a start date to anything. And that, that, that's been the mode around here for about three months. And now that those clouds have seemed to dissipate, and now we have an opportunity to, to play football, which is, will be exciting. It seems that the major game changers, the, uh, the agreement with the Quidel Corporation to provide the quick result uh, diagnostic testing for COVID-19 with the opportunity to get results within 15 minutes, and then the easing of restrictions uh, at the state and local level in the states of California and Oregon. That is correct. And um, lo and behold, I uh, can't thank, uh, thank those medical professionals enough uh, for their due diligence here the last seven months. I mean, all our medical workers all over the country have done a fabulous job uh, of treating patients, obviously uh, looking for different ways to test uh, and also looking for vaccines as well. So we, we, we can't take them out of the spotlight because they truly are the heroes. No question about it. Now, the start date, as we mentioned, the, basically the first full weekend in November, that's six weeks away from now. And that's pretty much what you've said all along is the amount of time it would take to get a team ready to play. 
Yeah, we all felt that way. And, and I think we, we looked at it with, through our medical staffs, uh, through our strength and conditioning uh, coaches. Uh, I think most of the coaches in the Pac-12 relied on those two entities to give us the information. And um, that's how it kind of all came together. And now we, we have a plan. You know, there's a start date. And um, I think every coach in the Pac-12 is excited about that. Now, the, as we said, it'll be a seven-game schedule. The schedule itself will be released in the next couple of days. But, Herm, I would imagine you'll be playing your five Pac-12 South Division rivals, Arizona, USC, UCLA, Utah, Colorado, one opponent from the Pac-12 North. And then it's going to be an interesting final weekend of the season, December 18th and 19th. The two division leaders will meet for the conference championship and I understand the rest of the league will play crossover games. In other words, the second place team in the North at that time would play the second place team in the South and so on down the standings. Yeah. And I think it's another way to add another game uh, to your schedule. Um, you know, those things could be obviously bowl situations, uh, maybe uh, having the ability to get into a bowl, win another football game, play another football game that, you know, football players and football coaches want to play games. That's what that's what we like doing, and, and anytime you can compete. And I think the uniqueness of this season, uh, when you think about it, um, they're all against um, Pac-12 opponents. So with that being said, it reminds me a little bit of uh, whether it's uh, March Madness, people following basketball, whether it's NFL playoff games. You know, every game becomes a very important game. They're all important. Now, we understand that the rivalry games are important. We get, But when you think about it, there's only six games that you're going to play, five in your conference, one out of conference. Then you have the ability to play a seventh game. Mm-hmm. But the sixth ones are the important ones in this sense. That's going to line you up to what happens, right? And they're all against opponents in your division for the most part. In, in your conference, in the Pac-12 conference, that's, it's kind of, that's unique. It'll be very interesting. It certainly, I think, is going to add a compelling nature and a, and a level of intensity right from the get-go that a team has to have to be ready because every game will be so incredibly meaningful. Well, can you imagine if you get off to a 3-0 start? <laughs> you know, five games in the conference? You're pretty excited, right? Mm-hmm. Every, every game is critical. They're all critical games because you feel like if you can win in your conference, you knock somebody down. They're, they're one behind you, right? And then that's it, – it, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's NCAA basketball tournament. You better win. <laughs> it is. You better it's win. It's almost like every game, every game means two almost. Exactly right. You win and you knock another guy back a peg. And Now, the, the interesting right. dynamic is going to be the fact that Pac-12 said today that no fans will be permitted at any sports competitions taking place on Pac-12 campuses – at least until January of 2021. What's your sense of what that will be like playing football games in empty stadiums? Uh, that, that'll be very interesting because uh, the stadiums have a way of providing energy uh, for home team as well as the, the road team. I mean, it, it, when you walk into the stadium, you anticipate energy. I can remember watching when basketball kind of came back and a little bit of baseball, right? And, and some of these schools that hadn't allowed people in the stadium, and you could almost tell when the NBA started playing, 
the players were playing, but it was almost like there's no there's no atmosphere here, right? So the mm-hmm. players on both sides actually have to create the noise in the building. So now all of a sudden, I think if you're a football team, according to how many you can travel, how many you can actually dress, your players are going to provide the energy to the ones that are not playing. Now, I say this, there's no more home field advantage. I was just going to ask you about that. The crowd, right? I mean, you, the yeah. emotion of the crowd, right? I mean, certain situations. Now, will they pump the crowd noise in? I don't know that. I don't know if that's something we're going to do in this conference, but that'll be very interesting to watch a, a complete game being played and with basically there's not a fan base for either team. What does that feel like? Now, players will adapt to it. We'll all have to adapt to it, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Indeed, because the, because of the fact that you're playing seven games, clearly some conference teams will only get three home games, and yet that may not be as big a disadvantage as it might sound because of the fact that there won't be any fans in the stands. No. And, um, you know, I think when you go on the road, um, you know you're walking into an environment, especially in our conference, um, and, and, and this is, this is a, a conference where – Going on the road, when you play against opponents, they have a nice fan base there, and they're very vocal. You know, college kids are unique. They have ways of creating certain images in the stands, and that's what I enjoyed a lot of, really, when I walked into the stadium prior to the warm-ups. You'd watch certain groups, and you say, oh, I heard about those those kids over there, right? And you just kind of keep your eye on kind of the things they come up with. It was kind of fun, right, to watch as a coach, me, just me as a fan watching it as a coach, right? Now, when the game starts, you just play. But the energy that the stadium provides, and I always felt good teams have to play well on the road. You've got to be built to play on the road. And that was always my mindset as a, as a former player. Um, I was taught that uh, when I was in professional football as well as college, but more in professional football. And then I, I think that you knew that when the crowd got silent, the energy went to your sideline because now you just took you just took the eleventh you just took the twelfth player away from the home team mm-hmm. because the crowd is now silent, and all of a sudden your sideline gets more energy. Because you go, they're quiet now. Now we got them, right? <laughs> you feel that sense of the energy switches. It goes, wait a minute. They just stole the energy from us, right? And you can sense that as a visiting team. You touched on your players a moment ago that you'll uh, be meeting with them uh, tomorrow. But uh, yeah. uh, to give us a sense of, we talked about this briefly on last week's show, but what the players have been doing in these last few weeks and months uh, preparing for a season they hoped would start eventually. They have been in the classroom. They have been working with our strength and conditioning people. We've had some walkthroughs as well. So we, we have been in the mode of, of, of some form of being normal, per se. Um, we put on helmets this week. So they actually had helmets on, and we went through, you know, the walkthrough periods, and we did some drills with helmets on, getting them ready for that. But um, they were excited when we – this was the first week we actually put on a jersey and a helmet. So it makes them feel like, ooh, I put on a jersey and a helmet. Just, we're, we're getting ready. So I was kind of getting them kind of ready for this, right? And you, you'd be amazed 
how excited they were when they put a helmet and a jersey on. All of a sudden, had some smiles on people's faces and, and things of that nature. Even coaches were smiling, you know, so, okay, you got jerseys on finally, right? You got a helmet on. So, you know, your whole life, if you play football, you live with a helmet. When you, mm-hmm. you put the helmet on, it's like, it's almost that concentration deal when you put the helmet on. There's this different feeling you have as a, as a football player when you actually put the helmet on. It's just, I can't, you know, I can't explain it. I mean, if he's played the sport, you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing when you walk through and do these things, and right? But also when you put a helmet on, there's this focus that you kind of get. You go, oh, got a helmet on. It changes. The, the, the mood of practice changes. Or I shouldn't say practice, but the walkthrough or the periods you're going through. It just changes for some reason. Because you're about to play some football, I think, when you got that helmet on, for sure. Let's take a timeout here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Continue now on the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's new Thursday night program this fall that highlights Arizona State University athletics and this evening spotlights Sun Devil football. I'm Tim Healy, your host, welcoming you back to tonight's show. ASU head football coach Herm Edwards is among our trio of guests this evening. Sun Devil offensive coordinator Zach Hill and quarterback Jaden Daniels will be dropping by a bit later in the program. Again, the big news from earlier today, the Pac-12 Conference CEO group announcing that the league will start up its football season on the weekend of November 6th and 7th, a seven-game schedule that will culminate uh, with the championship game and other crossover games on the weekend of December 18th and 19th. Herm, with the uh, start date now set for uh, six weeks away, will the way that you prepare your team, both from a physical, mental, and conditioning standpoint, differ in any way from what you would for a usual training camp regimen that uh, points toward a September uh, opening game kickoff? Uh, no, not really. Uh, you, you're talking about a start time of seven weeks if you count today. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about training camp, uh, when we used the normal training camp routine, you had 29 days before you opened up. So our schedule will stay similar uh, once we get the information uh, from the conference of what we can start doing, especially next week. Uh, will be kind of how we take this deal. And just remember this, our players, for the most part, we've been fortunate. Uh, We've had the ability to work out with our players. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. They've been doing this for about two and a half, three months now. This routine of taking some film study, um, Mm -hmm. doing some grills, um, having a walkthrough, lifting weights, the running part. We just haven't come together as a team and actually had a scripted practice, per se. In other words, practice, a football practice. We have not been able to do that. Do you anticipate? uh, I know this decision just came down a couple of hours ago, but uh, any thoughts as to when you will start your formal practices for the uh, opening weekend? Well, I would hope there's going to be this transition period that I think all the schools are going to have to go through. In other words, helmets without shoulder pads, like like normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal how it works. Uh, and, and then get, getting us ready to have this all of a sudden um, 11, 22 on 22. You know, what does that look like? There'll be a transition period. I would say a week would probably go by before we can get into the mode of per se training camp per se and then start going from there. You touched on this last week, but one of the challenges you face this year in this uh, delayed start to a season is a situation where you have new systems on both offense and defense. Although I guess another way to look at it 
is that you at least your opening opponent is not going to have any film of what you do on offense or defense heading into that game. Not, not so much. I mean, I would think if you're you're going to play us, the thing you would do is you would look um, you would look at Boise State and say, you know, this is similar to this is kind of some things they're going to do offensively. But but how we do that, I think will you know that that early will depend on you know when. You don't have any film. You know what are they going to do? They're going to be in, how many times? How many times are they going to be in three tight ends? How many times are they going to be in two tight ends? How many times are they going to be in four wide receivers? All these different personnel groups. How are they going to use all this? That'll be new. The defense now is more of a traditional defense, four man front, um, you know, with the three backers, uh, four secondary players. You know what does that look like? Along with now a nickelback. You know mm-hmm. you can call him a Tillman. Uh, whatever you, whatever however you want to label him, what does that look like? And, and then you know, coverages are about the same. Uh, you, know, you don't you don't trick any people with coverages. Most people play the same coverages, but it's the players playing the coverages that dictate how good you are in, in, in certain coverages. Like if, if you feel like your corners are good and your secondary is pretty stout, um, you, you preferably like to play more man to man and pressure and pressure the quarterback. You know, now with that being said, you got to be able to rush it. Can you get to the quarterback? Because when you play man-to-man, you leave your guys out there a little bit, right? So all these mm-hmm. things you have to be weighed on who we play every week uh, and how we match up. You know, will we play more zone one week? Will we play uh, more man-to-man? Will we bring pressure uh, more one week than another? So all these things are game-planned uh, by the opponent that we're about to play. Have your hopes or expectations for your 2020 team in any way been altered or modified by the pandemic forced layoff and the delay to the start of the season? Not really. Um, I, I think every coach in our conference, uh, you know, when we have these conference calls, all the head coaches are, are feeling the same way. Um, that I, I think the good thing, uh, and I asked a question last week, there was some hint that maybe certain teams would start at a different time and, they were ready to go and other teams started a little later. And mm-hmm. I, I begged that question. I said, well, you know, we're a conference of, of the Pac-12. And I, I didn't feel real good about that, to be quite honest. I just said, if, if we hung this long together as a conference, we all need to start together as a conference, too. That, that was just my opinion, you know. But I don't, I don't make those decisions. But I needed to say it because I just felt that way, you know. And I just said, we, we've been in a conference. We've hung this long I just felt it, it looked better for me personally. We all started together because we've all been in this together as a conference. And our conference, the coaches and the ADs and the presidents and all the people that had to make the decisions, um, we stuck together. We all stuck together. There was, we, were, we were one voice. And I, I like that. When, when you think about it, there's, you know, there's, there's, 12, there's 12 teams in this conference. And we did it in a way where we all we – all, just listen to the people that were directing us and we just stay, we stayed the course and now it's working out for us. And I think we're all excited about playing. You listen to the science. And as you said, it was unanimous when the CEOs voted in August to uh, delay the start of uh, competition until after January. And today when they elected to move up the timetable to November again, Herm, it was a unanimous vote. Yeah. And, and, and every coach understood that. Every AD understood it. Um, can't thank Ray enough. I mean, he, you know, he had a big part in all this. He was, 
you know, speaking on the behalf of a lot of ADs uh, to the presidents. Uh, can't uh, thank Dr. Crow enough uh, for their both of their leadership. When you think about this university and what it's gone through uh, thus far, um, no furloughs, no cutting sports, none of that was ever mentioned here. Uh, and, and that it all starts from the top. It, it starts from our president, uh, Ray, um, the board of directors, everyone that's involved in, in, in running this institution. It, it's bigger than just football. This is a, a multi-million dollar institution, right? And they got to make some tough decisions. And when you think about just holding it all together, uh, it's remarkable, uh, the job that they've done. And they need to be uh, they need to be patted on the back and say that the job well done. Indeed, they do. Of course, uh, every team in the conference is going to be playing one common opponent this year, Herm, and that is the coronavirus, because yeah. that's that's still hovers over everything. Uh, already to this point, we've had 21 FBS football games uh, postponed because of corona related issues, including four this weekend. And I think very compelling last week in South Bend, Notre Dame played and defeated South Florida 52 to nothing. And yet each of those two teams, Notre Dame's game at Wake Forest this weekend, South Florida's game against Florida Atlantic this weekend, having to be canceled after uh, seven fighting Irish players tested positive for COVID-19 and the South Florida officials concerned about the possible uh, spread among their players as well. Yeah, it's real. It's still here. And, um, uh, I think that's the battle you're battling against every every week. You know, it's not only the injury and the opponent. You have two opponents, really, and one is invisible. You can't see it. You don't see when it's coming. You don't see when it's leaving. You don't know when it. You don't know anything. And then if it hits your team, um, you're you're set back. And that's what every team is dealing with. And and the players understand it. Uh, you know, and, and no one purposely is trying to. Uh, go out and, and do something, but it's just a part of the world we live in, and it affects it, it affects a whole football team, right? And the problem mm-hmm. is, um, if that's the case, and you're going to play an opponent, it affects them too. And so now you got a cancellation. And if you look at our season right now, the way this thing is running out, there's no bye weeks. So if you have to forfeit a game, that's not only you, but your opponents forfeiting. So you're not even getting six games in. You might only get five. And if it gets you twice, <laughs> you might only get four. <laughs> so I, I think we all have to be aware of that. I know the players will be, the coaches will be, and we just got to find a way to get it done. But I think the league has excellent protocols in place, ready to go. I think the testing, the Quidel uh, testing with rapid results is going to be a game changer. And we're just excited, Coach, that uh, your team's going to get to take the field, God willing, in six weeks. That sounds good. I'm excited as well and uh, can't wait to see my players tomorrow. They'll be walking around the building with a smile on their face. Absolutely. Herm, we appreciate you so much. You're taking some time to join us once again this evening. Uh, Be well, my friend, and we'll see you soon. I'll see you Sunday. I know you'll be at Mass. You will too. I'll see you there, Coach. I'll be there.